welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Father Nicholas Mancini, a priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and his six-part series on the life and legacy of Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. And now, Father Nicholas Mancini. Friends, welcome back as we continue our insights into the glory of the Servant of God, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, and his early years in the new electronic age of radio. As Sheen describes in his memoirs, he writes how he first dramatically brought to the airwaves his Catholic Hour. And we were discussing some of those insights and letters that he would discuss on his radio show. One such letter is the following. Sheen tells us in his memoirs, I remember one letter that came to me from Utica, New York, he says. The writer was a young woman who said that she had always refused to listen to me on the radio because she was leading an evil life and was afraid that if she did not listen, she would be inclined to give up her vice. This particular evening, she said she was preparing for a date and her hands and face were filled with cold cream. I came on the radio, and she did not want to smear the radio, so she listened to me. As a result, she said, I went to confession, returned again to God. I sent her a telegram which said, Congratulations, a beautiful instance of how grace works through Greece. I remember another letter from a woman in Washington. She took exception to something I had said. I had referred to a statement of Einstein that we should not have a personal religion, but we should have a cosmic religion. That is the ardor of cosmos or the physical universe. In answer to that suggestion of Einstein, I said we cannot love the universe. It is too big. It is too bulky. Man cannot love anything he cannot put his arms around. And the cosmos is too vast. That is why the omnipotent God had to become a baby in order that we might encircle him in our arms. And then I went on to the development of a personal religion. She wrote and said, Do you mean to tell me that I cannot love anyone unless I can get my arms around them? Among other things, I said, when I answered her, Madam, that is not my problem, that is yours. Another one of Bishop Sheen's wit and wisdom. Another consequence of radio, he said, is that it is the most important of all was the breakdown of bigotry. 
the bigotry in the United States in those days was terrific. Looking back over many years of broadcasting and telecasting since 1928 until 1976, there has been a great change in the attitude of people. In those days, perhaps out of every ten letters, one would be bigoted, and only about one in a hundred would register hate. In later years, there would not be one letter in 500 that would be bigoted, but there would be many letters that would be full of hate. There is a world of difference between bigotry and hate. A bigot believes in something he may have wrong reasons for believing, but at any rate, he does believe, and it is very often a dogma. In hatred, Bishop Sheen says, however, there is only a spleen. A change in attitude would mean that there is less concern, perhaps, for truth. In any case, our nation has settled down to a kind of indifference, in contrast to the intense dedication to an idea of years ago. Sheen goes on to say, I remember a poem of G. Studert Kennedy, who was an Anglican poet among the soldiers of World War I. He compared Christ's coming to Golgotha and Christ's coming to Birmingham, showing the transition from hate to indifference. As I recall, he wrote the following. When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hung him on a tree. They drove great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns, red were his wounds and deep. For those were crude and cruel days, and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Birmingham, they simply passed him by. They never heard a hair of him. They only let him die. For men had grown more tender, and they would not give him pain. They only just passed down the street and left him in the rain. Still Jesus cried out, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And still it rained, the winter rain, that drenched him through and through. The crowds went home and left the streets without a soul to see. And Jesus crouched against a wall and cried for Calvary. In answer to many of the bigoted letters Sheen would receive, he would write something like this, If I believe the same things about the church that you believe, with my own Irish temperament and background, I probably would hurt the church 
a hundred times more than you do. You do not really hate the church. You only hate what you mistakenly believe to be the church. And then I would give some positive suggestion. In those early years of radio back in the 20s, Sheen had to put up with many things. And because there was so much bigotry, he writes, I can remember being asked a question once by Pius XII. I said to the Holy Father that I did not use the word Pope in a broadcast, but use the term Holy Father or Vicar of Christ. The reason I did not use the word Pope was because it always invoked some kind of prejudice. The word Holy Father, I would explain, is exactly the same way as I would explain the word Pope, but it did not invoke that animosity. The Holy Father agreed with the approach I used. It proved to be right. I remember at one time receiving ten books from someone in Pennsylvania. They were all bigoted books about the Pope and the history of the Popes. The man who wrote said, I was waiting, although the broadcast, for you to use the word Pope. You never used it, so I have no need for these books. But I must say, I liked what you said about the Holy Father and the Vicar of Christ. So you see, friends, how Bishop Sheen, in his own dramatic way, brings faith and love to people who even hated the church and used a dramatic way of teaching through his radio broadcast to make them understand the glory of church and Jesus. Another effect, Bishop Sheen tells us, and most an important one, is the number of converts. This to him was his whole life. In fact, there were so many converts, he writes, that I had two classes going on for a number of years, one in Washington and one in New York. It must not be thought, however, that any credit is due to me because a convert is made. A convert is made through the grace of God. The good Lord came into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he can use a donkey again to communicate his word. The credit goes to him. Ever since my earliest days on radio, I am constantly running into people who tell me that they owe their conversion to what they heard on the Catholic hour. So we see here, my dear friends, how Bishop Sheen brought so many people into the light of faith through that Catholic hour. And in this 21st century, we are doing the same, continuing that idea and thought of Bishop Sheen. He also writes, one of the most notable recollections that I have 
is that of a girl who came to Washington from Texas to see me. She told me she was one of ten children. She used to sit before the radio and make fun of all that I said. And one day she decided to answer everything I said. She found she could not. She came to Washington to take instructions. When she went back, her family would not allow her to meet any visitors. They said that their daughter was dead because she became a Catholic. There was reading at every meal, and the reading was an anti-Catholic book written years ago by a fallen-away priest. Life was made so unbearable that she finally had to leave school and become a teacher. We'll return to Living Bread Radio Presents after a short break. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. A missionary priest in the Sudan talks about his service in this troubled African nation. In the worst of times, Father says, we must stay with the people, serving them as our brothers and sisters, as our family. Through his consistent presence, many have come to know Jesus and are consoled and encouraged despite the overwhelming odds. We are all God's children. Let us pray especially for those who tell others of God's great love for each one of us and those consoled by their message. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. And now the conclusion of today's production of Living Bread Radio Presents. We were speaking of one of the examples he gave of a young girl. He continues to write and says this. This is just one of many examples of how the grace of God works. It is not so much the subject that is talked about as it is perhaps the prayers that go into the preparation of the broadcast. The good Lord can use anything as an instrument of conversion. Bishop Sheen said the Catholic hour must always be given credit for having destroyed, to a remarkable degree, bigotry in the United States. We shall never know on this side of heaven how much good the Council of Bishops did in accepting the invitation from the National Broadcasting Company to use speakers to present Catholic truth and to abstain at all costs from any abuse of the hearers. I thank God that it was my lot to be associated with all of those great figures, particularly Father Gillis, who was also an associate on the Catholic Hour, and many others who brought to American people 
a deeper and more profound understanding of the Catholic faith. What a beautiful statement by Bishop Sheen. You know, friends, when we hear this and what he had to go through in those early years of radio, it makes us appreciate what we have today. He goes on to describe, one wonders if we use the psychological and the sociological approach of preachers of the modern day, if we would ever have destroyed modern bigotry. Bigotry was destroyed because we preached Christ crucified, the truth. And may bigotry never again arise in this country, but in order now to combat indifference, it will take another kind of fire, another kind of love. But as for the past, the record has been good. And in thanking God, we also have to thank the networks who allowed us to use the light to proclaim the light of the world. The beauty of that now, my dear people, gives us an insight into what Bishop Sheen, in those early years of his ministry of evangelization, brought through radio. Radio, that light, that beacon of hope given to so many. Now he begins to describe in his memoirs his next phase of evangelization, a phase that would lead him now to be seen by people for the first time across the nation. Television. Bishop Sheen now comes to television, and he writes the following, I have already spoken of how I began on radio. Now a word about television. I was first approached by the Dumont Television Corporation, asking if I would appear on their network. I did a few shows on Dumont Television, which went into three cities, New York, Washington, and one other city which he cannot remember. It was not long until the interest was invoked by other television stations, and soon we were invited to appear nationally. Here it was not the church that put me on, it was industry. I explained earlier that radio began its programs when the different radio station asked the bishops to name speakers who would represent their groups. In my instance, in regard to television, it was a rather commercial interest which absorbed me into it. One of the first of the sponsors was Admiral Television. They offered me $26,000 a night, that is to say, for every half hour. 
This represented a tremendous revenue when it was extended over the years. In addition, since I was National Director of the Society of the Propagation of the Faith, I would very often speak on the missions and the poor. The result was that gifts began pouring in to the propagation of the faith. Along with that came mail, and much of the mail contained gifts. Because I gave a telecast on one occasion on flying, and why we should not fear flying, I incidentally mentioned TWA as meaning travel with angels. TWA sent the propagation of faith a check for $1,000. One day I received a bank draft for $160,000. I called up the bank, Sheen said, and asked the name of the giver and some information concerning the person. I was told that they could not give out the information. Later on, when I secured the name, I went to the city where the bank draft had originated. I called on the donor. It was a young girl about 20 years of age. I said, May I ask what inspired you to give such a vast sum? She said, It was an inheritance from my grandfather, and I am a convert to the faith, and I wanted to show my gratitude to the good Lord by spreading the faith in foreign missions. So I had given every cent I have. I am now studying to become a nurse in order that I may make a living. What a beautiful story, Sheen says, of a testimony of faith to help others. He goes on in his memoirs to describe, in addition to money which poured in just as gifts, there were many sacrifices. High school graduates selling their rings for the sake of the poor of the world. Young couples giving up a summer trip. Then there were wills and legacies, which in the course of time amounted to much, and which still continue. He says, During my days on television, I gave the Society of the Propagation of Faith $10 million. There was not one cent that I ever received, either as a gift or as a fee, that I ever kept. Now he says a word about preparation of the talks for television. He describes this as a new experience, different from that of radio. And he writes, I would spend at least 30 hours preparing every telecast. First of all, I would draw up a plan after I had decided on a subject, and then I would make a few notes concerning that plan, in other words, how to develop it. When I had finished the plan on perhaps one or two sheets of paper, I would then tear it up and begin another. 
I never kept any of those notes. The reason was that I wanted to learn from the inside out, not from the outside in. That is, not from paper into mind, but from the creative mind outside. Why should we think that because we have written something on a piece of paper that it is so sacred that a living mind must bow down to it? This demanded perhaps much extra work than writing it out, but at any rate, it was something like the generation of a child. Scripture says, Can a mother forget the child of her womb? And can one ever forget a talk that has been generated over many hours? I received no outside help there were no writers, no co-workers of any kind, and when I would go to the studio, there was never any rehearsal. This represented a great saving for the television station, because the television station requires 20 or 30 men to put on a television show, and one or two hours of rehearsal represents added expense. Thus Sheen enters the world of television and brings to the nation himself as that glory of the Word of God now revealed through television. As we continue to examine Bishop Sheen and the glory of His works through the media, we hope that you will come to a greater fulfillment of the love of this Archbishop who changed the lives of so many people to bring the message of faith, hope, and love to the world. Next time we will continue in the insights of Bishop Sheen's television programs and his encounter with Milton Berle and many others who gave to him so much understanding and they themselves listened to Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Bye for now and God be with you. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on compact disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.